You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On NFL podcast. So, you need to be checking out the whole Locked On Network, obviously. The NFL is fast and furious. I don't know anything about the NBA, but I'm sure it is as well. It's about crunch time for them. But this couple-day stretch, this next 10 days or so, you need to be glued to the Locked On Network for your favorite team, your least favorite team, the teams in your division, Locked On Draft, and of course, the Locked On NFL Podcast. So, today's going to be kind of a catch-all day that I told you guys about on Friday. Um, Friday, I did that mock draft and got some good responses from you guys. I'd like to hear more what you think. Uh, a lot of you seem to like that. I'll probably do two or three of those throughout between now and when on draft day, you know, between now and draft day. And let's just be honest here. It's 2.45 Eastern Sunday. So the NFL is extremely difficult to keep up with right now. So I'm going to respond to five or six of the big moves that happened thus far. Namely, you know, Antonio Brown got and traded late last night. That was so that, that's the time frame we're on here. So by the time you listen to this, I'm sure there I know there will be lots of free agent rumors. This is when they're allowed to start quote talking and you know legally tampering. Um, Tuesday is when it'll be official, but we'll know a lot before then. Um, I'm not sure what. what uh, probably do some sort of similar show with you tomorrow more free agent news, but this one's more trades and signings and all those type of things. So let's just dig right in. I mean, A-B to the Raiders. And I can tell you right now that Steeler fans are losing their mind over this. You know, you you only got a third and a fifth. And that's really low. I mean, there's no way around it. This was not handled well. The, it is noteworthy that both those picks are early in the round. So, I mean, if there is a misconception out there. I always get the kick out of that with draft picks. Like, if this had been five picks earlier and say, oh, they got a second. You know, but you know. But that being said, in the end, the Steelers are going to lose Bell and Brown for a third, a fifth, and hopefully for their sake, a comp pick for Bell. Not very much. You know, not very much. Um, the benefit is you don't have to pay these two. I mean, Bell's gone. He's off the books. AB kills your cap this year. He doesn't kill your cap, but he eats like 21 million of it. But you were doing that no matter what, and then he's gone. So all of a sudden, you open up 21 million in cap space in the next couple of years. I mean, that's the good news, obviously. Um, it's not much of a return. I mean, I'm not going to defend the organization. I don't think they handled either one of these situations well. I'm not sure how you could have handled it better necessarily, but the end result was poor, you know, in terms of return for a great, great player. But there's also no doubt in my mind that this is a crazy person and people don't desire him as much as I expected them to. You know, whenever it seemed pretty obvious that the Raiders were going to be the trade candidate, I thought the Steelers at a minimum would get that early second and maybe even squeak one of the late firsts if the Steelers threw him a third or a fourth or something like that. Or, you know, so this news shocked me as it did all Steeler Nation and Steeler Nation is reeling and killing the team for it. And in a way, AB won. I mean, all he wanted in the end was big money, and he got it. And the Julios and Michael Thomases and all these people, AJ Green, they're all pretty happy that a wide receiver just got that kind of money. I can tell you that right now. 
So the Steelers are reeling a little bit. I mean, there's no doubt. You lose this type of talent and don't have a lot of resources to replenish it, it's going to be awfully tough to put as good a product on the field, no doubt. And you won't be as talented as a team, most likely. That being said, and again, this is I feel like the purge was needed. You know, you had to thin the herd of crazy people and me first guys and really have an offseason of changing the culture and maybe building a deeper, more team-friendly environment, culture, even on the field, less the reliant on star power. We'll see. I mean, that's easier said than done. That goes to scheme. That goes to hitting on draft picks, you know, landing a free agent or two. We'll see. Um, my hunch is the majority of the people out there will be picking the Browns to win this division. I might be one of them. I might not. Um, but in the end, the what you get back for Brown is definitely disappointing. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Raiders' perspective is interesting because you gave this guy a ton of money. You gave up very little to get a great player in your building. First of all, my first thoughts are Al Davis would love this move. I mean, this is a 70s Raiders move. You know, give me Lau Alzado. You know, give me the guys nobody else wants. And the crazy people, the renegades. You know, give me those guys. And that's how we're going to build the Raiders. You know, the autumn winds are Raider. Um... But it's not 1970, <laughs> and this team's a long way from being a contender. You could look at it through this eye, the eyes of, hey, you traded Amari Cooper a third and a fifth for Antonio Brown in a first. That sounds pretty damn good. You know, I mean, it, no doubt. But are you going to be a winning organization during the stretch where Brown is still a really, really good player, namely the next year or two or three. Uh, they have a long way to go. I mean, but they also have four picks in what? The top 35 or six, including fourth overall. I mean, their draft day haul is going to be immense, and they're going to probably add an edge rusher that won't be Khalil Mack, but kind of like we talked about Friday, that'll be the fourth pick in the draft. My hunch is you stick with Carr, but who knows? I mean, this, um, times are changing. But I think a huge thing for the Raiders, and this doesn't help on the field, and, and Brown may go to Oakland and be the biggest nuisance and pain in the ass ever starting a month from now. I mean, and who's to say he's going to be thrilled? I know he's got paid, and that's huge and number one importance for him. And that's pretty clear that was his motivation all along. Um, but, you know, there's room. A.B. in Vegas, you know, what could go wrong? Um, but I do think part of this is, a huge part of it is, you're moving to Vegas New stadium, new fan base. You need to sell jerseys and put AB on the billboard, and there'll be a lot of 84 black and silvers out there. So I think some of it's marketing related. I also think some of it's Gruden's culture, too. You know, hey, I'll take that guy. Give me the Jerry Rice. Give me, you know, get the guy late in the year, the veterans. He loves the veterans and could get an awful lot out of Brown. I mean, he clearly will help them. But I doubt in the end, I'm going to say, Boy, the Raiders are now a seven or eight win team after this offseason. All right, another move that happened that I like, and I think people are brushing it off too much as, boy, bleh. Carlos Hyde goes to the, the Chiefs, and he's not as good as Hunt. I think he's better than Williams, who was impressive, but can Williams do that for 16 games? And I mean, I, I like this one two punch now as a really cheap set of. You know, now veteran 
running backs that I think you know what you're going to get. And here's what I like about it is I've said all along, going back to the Niner days, and you guys have listened to me, I've been somewhat of a Hyde apologist. This last year was obviously very strange, and I kind of blame Jacksonville more than I blame the running back for what on earth went tra- transpired there. But I think he's a better receiver than most think. I don't think he's Jordan Howard. I think he'll catch, you know, a fair amount of balls. He's not going to be Lev Bell and split out wide and run, run wide receiver routes. But Hunt didn't really do that either. And I think Hunt's a better receiver. I think he hides a better receiver than Williams. And, like, for a fantasy world, I want Carlos Hyde. You know, like, I think he's going to put up big numbers. I think he's going to go past Williams. I think he's more talented. I think he's got, you know legs left they paid very little for him i think the system will help dramatically i mean it's a gold mine to be a running back in that system with the weapons they have so if i were them i'd be done and i'm not saying hyde's even one of the best 20 backs in the league you know don't misconstrue this like i love carlos hyde but i think he is a great buy low right now at this stage of his career and i think kc it's going to be really happy about this move when it's all said and done. Uh, Eric Weddle signs with the Rams after getting cut from the, the Ravens. Uh, quick Ravens note there. I've been told by sources I trust that all of a sudden there's a million safeties on the market, if you haven't noticed this, but that they aren't done at safety. Like they, they want to get an upgraded safety, a younger guy. They'll probably spend money on one of these good safeties. Okay. And Weddle's, you know, declining and obviously old, but the Rams are as win now as any team in the league. LaMarcus Joyner won't be back. It's not a bad deal for Weddle. He's going to provide a lot of leadership. I think their defensive coordinator, Phillips, will get a lot out of him. And Weddle's considered very much a coach on the field. I think that's one of the beauties here, that I think he'll get a lot of dudes aligned and in the right spot. So overall, I think this deal makes a lot of sense for where both the team and player are. I mean, the Rams are very much contender, so... Get the older dude. Weddle wants to win. Quarterback this defense. I like it. I also like Patriots trading a seventh round pick. Oh, wait. Patriots get Bennett in a seventh for a fifth. Bennett's still good. I don't blame the Eagles. It's kind of like the AB. I mean, some of these, a lot of these trades are going to be the guy had to go, but you're either going to cut him or you're not. I mean, we've talked about this before. Like, the currency now for the, and this isn't the AB situation, don't get me wrong, but the currency now for, I'm going to cut this guy, but you have cap space, so give me your sixth round pick, and then that team doesn't have to compete with 30 other teams on the open market. So this Bennett move is similar to that. So I don't kill the Eagles for, at least they get a fifth round pick for a guy that I think they were going to release. You know, they, I think they are they were mentioned with Antonio Brown. I think they're going to try to get, land a big fish of some sort. So they want the available cap space. But for the Patriots, it's such a Patriot move. I mean, I think they'll use them a lot like Flowers. Less snaps, but rotational. Interior pass rush. You know, there's talk about having his brother come out of retirement. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool. I like that. Outspoken duo, the Bennett brothers. This is a great pickup to me for the Patriots. I bet they get a lot of great snaps out of Michael Bennett and also good locker room help and tenacious. And uh, I like this quite a bit for the Pats. Um, The Eagles, it's kind of inconsequential. At least you get a fifth out of the deal. It's better than a sixth and the usual currency. Um, But the Patriots have a lot of picks. I think they're going to make a lot of trades. 
with these picks for moving up, moving back. Mostly, for, I can see them adding more players along the Michael Bennett ilk like they often do. And again, I mean, it's a need position. Their pass rush isn't great. The versatility. I love this move for the Patriots. A big one-for-one deal. How much fun is this? Olivier Vernon goes to the Browns. Kevin Zeitler goes to the Giants. So let's talk about this through a Browns perspective, first of all. And we got to go back a draft. You know, Joe Thomas retires. A big hole. You know, they signed Hubbard. They got a lot of, you know, they got quality guards and center at that point. Going into last draft. I'm talking about big hole at left tackle. And it seemed to me like, we're going to take a, a, a tackle here no matter what. You know, we're, we're going to use a pick early on a tackle because we know it's a big problem. You got Baker Mayfield coming at that point. They take Austin Corbett, who was a very worth an early second-round pick. Nobody disputed that. But he's a, is he a guard? Is he a tackle? Is he a guard? Is he a tackle? And I think you find out over the course of his rookie year, he's really a guard. And we got to get him on the field. He's cheap labor on his first deal. And it's not a knock on Zeitler, but he is kind of expensive. Not that the Browns have any cap problems. But he's somebody we can move. Move Corbett to guard. We found a left tackle in Greg Robinson. Signed him to a one-year deal. That I think they'll still add a offensive lineman in the draft. But now you have your starting five. And you had an expendable guard that could bring you back something in return. And, and you know, after you know more about Corbett. And that, that makes perfect sense to me. Um, so therefore, kind of the same deal. You know, the Giants probably may have moved on from Olivier Vernon, maybe, maybe not. But I still think he has a lot in the tank. And strangely, both these teams played their star defensive lineman too many snaps, honestly. That's a Greg Williams trait that happened in, with the Giants, with Pierre Paul and Olivier Vernon for years. Then I think they need to take a step back as an organization and... Let's get a rotation here of Ogba and Vernon and maybe another guy to be named later. And, you know, let's give Miles Garrett 10% less snaps and not kill him. And Vernon, I think, still has a lot left on the table. I don't think he's a number one. I think he's certainly Robin and not Batman. But he's very good against the run. Uh, Edge was clearly a need. You trade a position of strength for a position that you were looking to add. And he's a quality player that you know what you're getting at this stage of his career. And I think he was hurt a lot last year, too. I mean, his numbers were a little bit down. I wouldn't be shocked if he rebounds a little. But again, I think he's Robin. Um, and Zeitler still really good. So all of a sudden, the Giants now have a really good set of guards. Solder's all right. I mean, he paid too much for him, but he's all right. And the line is starting to take shape. And if they don't trade Odell and they, I mean, I don't trust Eli, but Quarterback aside, that offense looks pretty good. You know, you add one more lineman maybe. Hopefully you can add a Haskins or something along those lines to groom. And if you keep Odell, wow. I mean, you've got a pretty good offense. But I do think the Giants' D is a disaster. Uh, this is a minor pit, minor deal, and it makes sense as well, is Cardinals only give up a six-round pick for Marcus Gilbert, who I think is one of the best right tackles in the league. This is a perfect example of Steelers were going to cut him. After they re-sign Pouncey and Foster, that means uh, Filer will be pretty much your right tackle who filled in for Gilbert really well last year. They also drafted Chooks for last year, who I have really high hopes for. And Gilbert just didn't kind of fit anymore. I mean, I thought Foster would leave and then maybe they'd hang on to Gilbert, but they picked up the $5 million in cap space, which they're going to need. 
And instead of cutting him, they get a six-round pick, which obviously is very inconsequential. Um, so he was going to get released. And it's all for medical reasons, really. But the Cardinals, even if you only get five or six games out of him, it's worth it for, for the Cardinals. I mean, when right, he's one of the best right tackles in the league. Their line needs a ton of work. Um, obviously, I think this is a, a real easy deal for the Cardinals. They have the cap space. If, if Maybe it works out and hit, you hit a home run and the guy plays 16 games for you. That would be tremendous. Another tackle news, a little O-line section here. Tampa signs Donovan Smith long-term. I mean, this is kind of like the Greg Robinson conversation we just had, who got pretty good money. But Donovan Smith isn't very good. You know, I mean, I know left tackles are hard to find, and you're going to be a deep passing game. You don't want Winston to have poor blindside protection. I get all that. I mean, those things are worrisome. So you give an average player that has a little bit of a decent ceiling too much money, basically. I mean, I know that's how the league works. I have a feeling that a year or two from now, we might be like, oh, the, the Bucks are releasing Donovan Smith because they overspent on him back in 2019. Could be, but he's not going to kill you on game day. There is pressure to win now there. You gotta for, can't forget where these organizations are in the whole scheme of things. And they're in a win-now mode. You know, they people are, they hire Bruce Arians to get this thing fixed now. Get, get Winston fixed now. So offense has a chance to be pretty good. Talked Bucks a lot on the Friday on my mock draft. I didn't know where to go there. I guess this doesn't eliminate the idea of taking an offensive lineman high. Um, Marpet is probably the only other lineman you can really, really count on as a, a good player there. So another O lineman could be in the cards for the Bucks. I get it. I don't approve, but that's kind of what the league is right now. Uh, last move is Case Keenum on a restructured deal, by the way. That's important. And a seventh go to Washington for a sixth. So it's nothing. I mean, the Skins pick up a not great quarterback. And I don't know why Twitter and the national media just killed Washington for this move. And I know they're an easy team to attack this time of year and, you know, free agent moves and whatnot. But Keenum's better than Colt McCoy. You have to have some sort of quarterback. I mean, does that mean all of a sudden they're not going to draft Drew Locke or trade up for Haskins or Rosen? Or I mean, it's just step one. And I mean, it's. I mean, to me, it feels like Denver's much more committed to Flacco than Washington is to Keenum. I wouldn't be committed to either, and let alone. I mean, I think Gruden can coax some good snaps out of Keenum. I mean, but he's just a bridge. I mean, he's not. The answer, I mean, he's possibly the opening day starter, but you would assume that either this year or at the latest next year, you're drafting a guy high or trading for Rosen. I mean, I'd be all over Rosen. Um, But this is just step one. This is just a security blanket that costs you very little. And like I said, his contract restructured, that makes it a lot more feasible. So give Washington a break here. I mean, they're just get, basically they just traded for a backup quarterback. So okay, it's not that big a deal. Uh, we knew that the Broncos were going to move on from him. Uh, you weren't going to keep Flacco and Keenum at that price. So again, this is a perfect situation of they were going to cut him and they send him, you know, somewhere somewhere else and move up a little bit in the draft. But basically, it's no different to the Broncos and cutting him, which we saw was happening. And again for Washington, you know, there you go. Um, so that's a wrap. Those are all the big moves. Again, as of about 3 o'clock Sunday, 
There's going to be rumors swirling like crazy, and there already is. I love this time of year, but part of me hates this time. I love this time of year because it's, again, I say this over and over, this is when teams more than ever tell you, they show you their hand and tell you exactly what they think about their team, and I'll be your translator to tell you this is what they did, but this is why, and this is what they are really telling us. But it's also really tough to keep up this time of year. You know, like, uh, things become obsolete even in a podcast form so quick because things are happening so quick, let alone when you're writing and, oh, I just might as well just delete that paragraph because it doesn't hold anymore. But it's a blast, and I love this time of year. So what you need to do is keep up with all the Locked On podcasts, and you'll be dialed in. So that is a wrap. Over and out.